on these shows. We try and, you know, stay neutral, give a, a, a point of view that uh, is free of bias. But we're making a little exception this week for Hearts fan Lockie Flanagan, who's very excited about our guest this week on The Green Room. Lockie, tell us about who we've got waiting on the line. Well, look, as you can see, we usually love to wear a bit of Western United branded merch. There Mm. is so much great merch and and we are lucky enough to get a lot of it. But it's all hanging up behind us Mm -hmm. at the moment. So I thought, what's the next best thing I can do? Well, when you've got a player like Ben Garuccio coming on the show, a new Western United face and a former Hearts man, there's really nothing else that I could have picked out of the the football kit wardrobe. Ben Garuccio joins us now. New signing at Western United. Uh, ben, it's just as well you didn't come into the studio today because I think Lockie would be asking for selfies, autographs. <laughs> I've really stitched him up I've, here, I've really been thrown under the bus quite colossally here. <laughs> I Welcome. can leave you two to it if you like. <laughs> Welcome to the green room, Ben. His face is going as maroon as his... Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome to Western United. Uh, How did you find your first game on the weekend? Yeah, it was um, it was really good. It was obviously for me very long awaited. Um, it was a long, long preseason. Obviously, we did about seventeen weeks, so it was pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, it was it was great to be out there. Um, you know, obviously we didn't get the result that we wanted, um, but obviously you know it's it's the first game of, the, of a long season, um, and victory obviously going to be a. I've got I've got an intruder here. <laughs> well, you can't see it at home, but uh, there's a lovely dog that has just entered uh, right of frame. Tell us about your dog. Uh, she's not allowed to be on the couch, actually. So. <laughs> She's just on a sneaky here and she, I think she knows I can't tell her off at the moment. So, <laughs> yeah, she's just jumped up here with me. So um, she's, she's lapping it up. Well, you've joined, come across from Melbourne City. Uh, tell us about the pitch the club made to you. What inspired you to uh, sign on the dotted line for the West? Yeah, obviously, you know, I, I spent two and a half years in Edinburgh with Hearts and um, at that stage I thought it was a right time to, to come back, you know, with everything going on in the world with COVID and, and all those sorts of things um, combined. I thought it would be a good decision to come home. And um, at that time it was, you know, between a few clubs and, and Western were actually one of them. Um, and in the end, uh, you know, things just happen in football and in negotiations. And um, I ended up at Melbourne City, um, which, you know, turned out to be to be a really good season that we had last year obviously we won it and um you know that was the first piece of silverware I've won in my whole career so I think you know sort of maybe everything happens for a reason but on a personal note I didn't play as much as I would have liked to um so you know that I've got that that burning desire in me to to play and to achieve the best that I can as, as a player and um I thought it would be you know time to move on and you know as I said I was already interested in um, Western United before um, coming back and, and, you know, we sort of started talks again um, and then one thing led to another and, you know, they were waiting to sign a coach and then, you know, the day after they signed Aloisi, who I've previously worked with. So everything sort of fell into line this time um, and, you know, it just felt like the right move for me. Um, and to be honest, since, since coming over, I've, I've loved it. You know, the club's been fantastic. The, the lads, we've got a top group of lads. So, um, no, I'm loving my time here so far. Yeah, well, you, you sort of touched on it there, you know, the, the fact that John came across, I'm sure, helped you two being familiar to one another. Uh, obviously, he's, he's learnt a lot since those days. He's had, you know, different experiences at different A-League clubs as well. But, you know, what was it about John as a coach that sort of helped ease that process of making the decision to, you know, put on a green and black jersey? 
Yeah, I suppose, you know, familiarity is, it always helps. You know, when you know that someone knows you and knows the qualities you have, um, it always makes life a little bit easier, especially in a in a transition process like I was going to be in. So that was one thing that, that comforted me. But, you know, just hearing about the club, you know, boys like Lockie Wales that had transitioned from City to, to Western and, you know, he, he speaks really highly of the club and he, he loves it here as well. So when you hear things like that, you know, and then you see the group of boys that we've got, and even the backroom staff, you know, you can't say a bad word about anyone at the club. And I think, you know, all the work they've done in this uh, preseason to, to get us to where we are now, you know, the, the squad that they've assembled, um, our new training facilities at Essendon Footy Club is, you know, I would say probably the best in the league. Um, you know, everything they've done from from the start to the finish has been fantastic and you know for me um as a player I feel like I've I've made the right decision a, a thousand percent so I'm really happy here tell us about the facilities at the hangar where you're training now uh, it's been a long pre-season so I guess those facilities have, have got a fair workout so far yeah oh, it's, it's honestly unbelievable like you know I think there wouldn't be you know a Aside from those top leagues in Europe, I think, you know, most clubs in Europe wouldn't even have facilities like this, you know, like these are clubs that are the real deal, you know, they've got everything you could ask for and more um, at the hangar. So it's, it's honestly unbelievable. And it does make, you know, going into training every day, you know, so much easier, you know, you're going into amazing facilities. There's, there's everything there that you can use, you know, and, and that helps you to become a better player, whether it's, you know, doing recovery in the, in the pool or the ice baths or, or spa, or, you know, when you've got a gym that's got a hundred different machines. Um, so yeah, even for the boys, you know, like I had a small injury in, in preseason and even the boys now that are injured, you know, for them, it makes a huge difference because they're able to, to use these fantastic facilities and it helps with their rehab, you know, in the gym, um, altitude chamber to get fitness back. Just small things like that, they make a huge difference and also make the rehab process a lot easier as well. Well, a lot of, you know, fans that have probably seen you play and, and know your qualities as an, you know, an attacking fullback from your time at Adelaide, from your time at, at City and, you know, Hart before that. But I'm going to have to go into it just, just a little bit. Maybe not as many people know about about your time at Hearts. And it was probably a little bit of a different experience uh, to the other clubs that you've played for, not just in the sense that, you know, it's playing over in Europe and that sort of thing. But I guess it would be fair to say that it was also a bit of a challenging time for you as well in the sense that you really came out of the blocks and started very well with the club. You know, you were in Socceroos camps at the time, of course, before um, uh, apologies for bringing it up, but, you know, a very unfortunate injury that you sustained, obviously doing your ACL in, I think it was in training, if I'm, I'm not mistaken. I can't Imagine, and I'm sure the the fans watching can only imagine how difficult that would have would have been. But that experience uh, over on the other side of the world in a in a different club, you know, how did you how did you manage that time, and 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 what did you learn about yourself, not just as a player, but as a person that's that's taken you to where you are today? Yeah, obviously, you know, those times, those tough times, those dark times are when you do learn the most about yourself. Um, and you can take a step back and, and sort of reflect on everything you're doing. And I think before that, um, I, w- I went through basically my whole career as probably I would say 95% of young players do that, you know, you think you're invincible, you think you're never going to get a bad injury, mm. um, you know, sort of floated through. And I never really worried about the 
the one percenters, you know, um, you know, whether it's what you're eating, if you're getting a good sleep, hydration, um, really the small details, but they do make all the difference. And, you know, um, I remember, you know, the week leading up to, to the injury, I was not getting good sleep. I wasn't hydrated. We came back in after an international break. Um, we had like double sessions the whole week and it was in one of the last sessions that, you know, an afternoon session. And I literally just turned as I would a million different times before and I did my knee. And, you know, it's not until you do something like that when you're out of the field for 10 months that you actually can step back and go, well, did I actually prepare myself right? Was my body 100% at that time? And I would, you know, argue that that no, it wasn't at that time and, and I paid a, a pretty severe consequence. But it's also allowed me to to look back at my at my time before that and say, you know, I wasn't doing this, I wasn't doing that, I wasn't, you know, worried about hydration and food and sleep and things like this. And, um, you know, I think that's allowed me to become a much better professional. And, you know, I think if you spoke to to majority of players, it would be something like that that, that you know, force them to change, you know, whether it's a serious injury or, you know, potentially taking a backward step in your career or maybe not getting a contract or something like that for people to actually step back and go, you know what, what I'm doing is not enough and not good enough and that's how you can hopefully improve. And you've obviously got access to those facilities now at the hangar to link it back to what we were talking about before to, you know, keep your body in, in peak physical condition. What what is, what is your kind of training regimen look like now and your routine that you've adopted since that injury and since you've had some time to think about your, you know, your off the field stuff and your training preparation and so forth? Yeah, just now, I, as I said, it, it really is just tiny little details, but, you know, I, I never worried too much about, you know, going in the gym before training and, and getting my muscles, you know, prepped and, you know, we call it prehab. Um, you know, I never worried about that. I was just a young a young lad. I would go out in the field before training, start smashing balls around. I never felt sore. And then, you know, you get an injury like that and you're like, far out. I better, you know, I better make sure, you know, whether it's, you know, you got a tight hammy. I better make sure my hammy's really switched on before I go out to training to make sure that, you know, it's, it's well it's well serviced and well prepared for the session um, because it is, it is something as small as that, you know, you can have a tight hammy, you don't do anything about it. You know, you go out to training and you maybe, you know, haven't eaten well the night before and you and you got a bad sleep and you're dehydrated and, you know, all it takes is one little movement or you get a nudge the wrong way and there you go, you, you've done your hammy and then you're out for, you know, 10, 12 weeks through something that could have been avoided just by looking after yourself and, and potentially being a bit smarter. So it is, it is really just those small things and, you know, they, they probably sound like nothing, probably sound pretty boring. Um, but, you know, I, I think all the top pros all around the world do all of those small things right and that's why they are on the pitch most of the time. Let's rewind pre-injury uh, to your time at Hearts. Uh, I mean, you were flying for a little while there. Uh, tell us about that experience in Edinburgh in a football city where, you know, they live and breathe the game. What was the buzz like breaking into the first team, scoring that free kick? <laughs> yeah, it was um, it was unbelievable. Like, I really didn't know what to expect. I, I didn't know too much about the club before going over. So, you know, it was the way it came about was, you know, an agent called and they said, you know, this club's pretty interested in you. Um, and I was like, all right, cool, yeah. And they go, they're going to track you. And I say, all right, no worries. And um, I didn't really think too much of it, to be honest. And then literally the day we got knocked out of the finals, we played victory. And the day after I got a call 
and they were like, all right, are you ready to fly over? And I was like, oh, not that I forgot about it, but I thought I thought it had gone. I hadn't really heard too much about it. And I was like, all right. Like, So we sort of started getting everything prepared. Um, and then, you know, before I knew it, I was on a flight over to Edinburgh to do, you know, a medical and to sign. And it wasn't until I actually got there. It was obviously like a bit of apprehension, a bit of nerves and things like that. But when I actually got there to the city, I was like, this feels a lot like Australia, but it's just freezing cold. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, as after that, the transition was easy. You know, when I saw the stadium for the first time, when I saw the training facilities, I was like, wow, this club is the real deal. Um, and, you know, probably a lot of people talk down on Scottish football, but, you know, the experience I had there, the way the fans, you know, not just in football, but rugby, they are crazy. Like they a city with 500,000 people and they get 20,000 to their game every week. Like it's not until you, you hear that that you're like, wow, they, they live and breathe over there. They really do. Um, and, you know, I think I got over there and I was, I was loving it. I was enjoying the training, um, got to the first game and I think we were drawing nil all. I can't even, I think it was against maybe Inverness or, no, Inverness was the game I scored. The game before that, I think we played maybe Airdrie or, or someone. And we were drawing nil all at half time and we got booed off the park. <laughs> and I was like, all right, this is a little bit different to Australia. So, um, yeah, there is obviously that transition process. But, you know, after that, um, you know, we got a few good results and I managed to break my way into the team and, um, you know, over there, it's it's it is very different. You know, there's super competitive positions. Um, so yeah, I, I found it tough at times, and you know, it got to a stage where I got myself back in the team, and I played I think eight or nine games in a row, and that's when I did my knee. So I was like, it was a bit of a bumpy ride, to be honest. Like I never felt like I got that that season under my belt where I could just nail my spot down and, and go from there. So it did, it did, you know, if I look back on my time, I would have loved it to go another way, but also, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. The experience was unbelievable and it helped me grow as a player. So, um, yeah, I lo- I loved my time over there. Yeah. Well, the other thing as part of that experience that we touched on before is that, you know, you were, involved in Socceroos camps uh, around that period. I think it was maybe sometime in 2019 that you were in, uh, 2018, sorry, that you were in Turkey. Um, being at a club like Western, where at least on the evidence of this Saturday, um, you know, we'll talk more about the game later, but, you know, being in a position and in a club where, you know, it feels like um, the approach is quite well suited to your strengths as a player, um, you know, it feels like you're playing in a position and a role where we're really going to see the best of Ben Garuccio that we've seen in previous A-League seasons. Um, to, to bring it back to the, the Socceroos, is that something that's still an ambition of yours to kick yourself into, you know, a good bit of form and, and maybe look at that national team setup? Of course, your fellow fullback Josh Risden has, has had and, and probably got similar ambitions too. Yeah, of course. Like, it's it's always something that's in the back of your head but it never happens if you're not playing well at club level. And, like, I basically just want to play well every game at club level. And, you know, the repercussions of that are potential call-ups and things like that. But I never think about that. I never think, you know, I need to play well because I want to make the Socceroos or I need to make the Socceroos. It's just, you know, can I put my best foot forward every week to make sure that I can play every week? You know, that that's essentially what you want to do. You want to play well. 
you want to nail your spot down and, and, you know, be, be a helpful, uh, role, role in the, in the team. You want to provide that for the team and help the team as much as you can. And as you, as you touched on, I think, you know, the, the style of football that we play will, um, allow me to, to play my best stuff. You know, as you said, I'm an attacking fullback, um, when I can get forward, when I can get put crosses in the box, you know, get shots away, that's when I'm at my best. Um, so, you know, so far in the first two games, I've loved it. To be honest, I've been able to get forward. Um, to be honest, yeah, as you said, I have felt like, you know, previous A-League seasons. Um, so if I can get back to that, I think I can help the team, yeah. Well, I guess I think that segues, you know, quite nicely into the, the weekend's game. And, you know, certainly we saw plenty of attacking um, from yourself and and Josh in the fullback positions, which I can only imagine is something that, you know, John's encouraged you to do ahead of the start of the season. The thing we didn't expect to see quite as much, though, was to see that same uh, propensity and desire to bomb on from the two centre-backs that you've got either side of you in, in Tomoki and Leo. Uh, as a as a fullback, how do you feel when your centre-back sort of looks towards you and says, you know, I'm, I'm going on a bit of an adventure and starts sauntering their way up the field? Because they both did it quite a few times. Yeah, I am. Um, oh, I'm scared. <laughs> big, big Leo just started. I'm, I'm waiting for him to play it to me, just an easy ball outside and, and who knows. And he just starts going on amazing and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Everyone's just like hoping for the best, expecting the worst. But, um, yeah, Leo went on a couple of mazes and, yeah, Tamaki loves a maze as well. And but they, they get through they get through the big lads. I think it's like that element of surprise for the other mm. team. No one expects it. And, you know, they sort of just they, – they take a few steps and they pass like four players. Um, but, you know, obviously when you see your centre-back go in, you know you need to cover, um, cover him. And, you know, even if he does lose the ball, you've got to um, make sure everyone's in the right position that, you know – even though he's out of the game, it won't be too dangerous. So, um, but no, you know, Leo's Leo's a machine. He's a he's an animal, and same with Tomoki on the other side. He's a he's a machine, absolute machine. That guy. So, um, yeah, the two boys we've got there are, are, are mountains, and um, you know, they're also comfortable with the ball at their feet, which which is only going to help the team. Yeah, well, I'm not sure if uh, I'm not sure if this still holds, but last last year. Uh... Tamaki's nickname, at least according to Ryan Scott, was was the Mocky Monster. So it certainly speaks to what you're saying about his qualities as a machine. But you are right about the, those centre backs pushing on. It, it seems to be that they get to about like halfway before anyone realizes what what it is they're actually doing. Like neither of they both got a fair way up the pitch. Neither of them were able to get a, a shot off or anything like that. But you imagine that as the season goes on, they'll keep trying it. If you if you had to back one of Tamaki or Leo in in a in a finishing drill. Which one do you reckon's got the the best chance of uh, of launching one from from distance and sticking it in the back of the net? You know, I've, I don't reckon I've ever seen Tamaki take a shot. <laughs> he looked like he was going to get a nosebleed. He was that far up the pitch. Got a nosebleed. nosebleed. He dribbled about five players and then he just <laughs> passed out to Lockie and just kicked it out for a throw in. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon if he was dribbling himself, he would have scored. But um. Yeah, so I have to say Leo because Leo actually doesn't mind it. He gets involved in the shooting drills sometimes, gets in the box, gets a header away. So I'd have to say Leo just based on that. Well, it was a tight game. It was a little bit of a cagey game week one. I don't think either side 
you know, wanted to risk uh, too much and, you know, a goal off a set piece, there wasn't much in it. How did you rate the performance overall? Because John Aloisi in the post-match press conference was very positive and, and said he, he saw a lot of a lot of good things to build on. Yeah, I think if you look, you know, before the game and, you know, what the coaches want from us and, you know, the structure that they want and, and the way that they want us to play, I think if you look, if we look back at that and we have looked back at that, you know, we really did, we really did execute that well, to be honest, you know, victory for all the players they've got. I don't think they really created that much against us in open play. Um, and, you know, neither did we, you could say. Um, but, you know, I do remember, you know, Payne had a Payne had a um, half chance in the second half. And it is, it was always going to be one of those games, you know, I could feel it out there that, you know, there was only going to be maybe a goal in it. Um, and unfortunately for us, you know, it did. It came from a set piece, which for us is is frustrating um, because, you know, we, we've worked a lot on set pieces and things like that. But, um, you know, it happens all over the world. That's where that's where games are won and lost sometimes. So, you know, it's something for us to look back on. And, you know, I've said it before that it's round one. You know, I think I think we did a good job for being in round one for, for you know, a new coach, a new team. But I also said that, you know, we don't want to, make an excuse that, you know, oh, we played well, but we lost, you know, we, we want to be a team that wins. We want to be successful this year. And, you know, we, we want to be pushing for finals and, and trophies at the end of the day. So, um, you know, no one's happy with the loss and, and, you know, we want to turn it around and get, get those good results and start getting wins on the board as soon as possible. Yeah, and of course, you've also got, you know, players still to, to, to come into this team, you know, players who are still getting you know, match fitness and, and match minutes. It seems to be a sort of consensus that, you know, it was a, a solid start, even if the result didn't want, uh, go your way. But there's there's certainly more more to come from from what you guys can can put out on the park. Oh, 100%, 100%, you know, and we went over to the fans and, and they clapped us off and they and they cheered us. But at the same time, you know, we, we want to be winning for those fans. You know, we want them to, to come back. You know, we want them to enjoy the style of football we're playing. Um, you know, obviously it was a little bit disappointing that the back end of last year. But you know, I think we've got a we've got a top squad, um, and we can be challenging right up the top of the ladder this year. Speaking of winning, uh, we've heard rumours of a of a secret team song uh, that it is sung in the change rooms after a win. Did you sing it after the Newcastle Jets FFA Cup qualifier? We did sing it. There was about half of the team with with a laminated paper in front of them. <laughs> We didn't know what was going on, and I'm looking over someone's shoulders trying to see the words. So it wasn't maybe the best rendition that they've ever done, but yeah, we did sing it. So, so the plan, the goal, not to this season, is not just to to win, but to to make sure, as a consequence or as an extension, you know those lyrics like off the top of your head, like easy. It's like when the foreigners come to the league and it's Anzac Round and the national anthem's gone, and they're just. <laughs> They're just like, well, what's going on here? Well, well, actually, actually, Ben, speaking of singing, I, we didn't get a chance to ask you this earlier, but I just want to go straight back to your, to your early days uh, at the start of like, you know your time at Western United. It's quite a cliche thing that as a player initiation, you've got players getting up and, and singing a song. Was was that something you had to do when you first got there or was there another initiation that you had to very uh, you know enthusiastically undergo, I'm sure? No, actually, I haven't sung yet. But it's usually the first away trip. Mm. So the ah. night before the game, all the songs are done. And if you don't do it, you know, different clubs are, have got different rules, but usually it's a hefty fine. So, like it's a, so what you're saying is it, you're safe for at least another week? 
yeah, well, basically we don't play for I think the first six rounds. Yeah. So I've um, I've had more than enough time to, to practice a song. I think by that time I'll be I'll be belting one out. <laughs> do, you, do you know what you're going to sing yet? Um, I've got a few in the repertoire. Oh yeah. So it depends what I'm feeling. It could potentially be Red Hot Chili Peppers. Potentially. Maybe Sweet Caroline. There's a lot of there's a lot of safe ones. Like Sweet Caroline is so safe. Yeah, and the club I, uses it a walkout song as well. So you're practicing uh, for the games. I, I always I'm always find myself singing it as I'm walking out. <laughs> I, I think I think the media team would probably be casting a vote for you singing singing Sweet Caroline. <laughs> I think that the fans would be on board with that one. Um, ben, we know you've been very generous with your time, but we'll just look quickly ahead to to the game this weekend. Of course, against Perth. Um, you know, we, we talked about the, the great job that the back four did, you know, despite you know, the, the one goal conceded from the corner. Everyone else, um, the whole back four did a really good job. But you guys, up against Perth Glory, for obvious reasons, it's it's a, a challenge with the attacking firepower that they've got. You know, of course, Bruno Fornaroli scoring an absolute belter at the weekend. And Daniel Sturridge will probably be hoping to play a little bit more than nine minutes a, against you boys. As a defender, how do you feel about that that, that challenge upcoming on the weekend? Excited? Oh, I'm buzzing. I'm, I'm a Liverpool food. Sturridge bends them in with with the outside of that left peg. Um, you know, in the I think it was the Europa League. Was it Europa League final? I think yeah. our, our Liverpool supporting uh, producer and Western United team member Nick Hughes is nodding his head. So yes, that that is right. Um, like yeah, of course. It's, that's 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 what you want. You know that you want to be up against the best players and. Um, you know that that'll be cool to play against someone like that. I just uh, I hope I'm not giving him half a yard for him to do that. So when you get onto the field, you forget about all of that, and you know you take the game as it comes, as if you're playing anyone. Um, but you know we are aware that you know they've got players like that. Even Bruno, I've played with him. Um, he can do things like he did on the weekends. You know, in a in a split second, he's that type of player. So we just have to be wary of that. But um. At the end of the day, we always we always say it inside. You know, you go back to your structures, and you go back to what you've worked on in preseason, and and what our structure is, and what we represent. Um, and you know, if if we can fall back on that, then we'll always be doing well. Um, and and you know, we believe in ourselves to to keep those to keep those goals out of the net. So I don't want to distract you from the game too much, Ben. Of course, you got you, you got your job to do. But can we just ask you if you find yourself marking Sturridge, say from a set piece situation, or if he drifts out to your flank, can you just give us an update on on the trim? Because he was very fussy about his barber selection. I don't know if you saw his Instagram stories when he was stuck in quarantine in Perth, uh, but he was had very high demands of his hairdressing, and we just we just want to know if it, if the hairline is on point. Yeah, I might, or, you know, I'm probably not the best person to wind him up because my hair is disappearing by the day. <laughs> I can't even hammer him because he'll just turn around and go like, man, look at your hairline. <laughs> but um, maybe I'll get one of the other lads that's got a, that's got a decent hairline to, to give him a kick and just say that the, the barber maybe botched him up a little bit. Who's the best trash talker in the team? We spoke a little bit to Dylan Wenzel Halls uh, last week because he's he's got a bit of a reputation having tossled again hair themed Ryan Grant's mullet last season. Yeah, Wenzel's Wenzel's a funny guy. Like he's probably one of the funniest guys in the change room. Like everyone loves him, and um, but he does get the piss taken out of him a fair bit, Wenzel's. But he um, he takes it well, and he's he's a legend. But I would have to say I reckon Lockie Wales just because. Mm. 
that guy can talk underwater. <laughs> I, I'd be surprised if there's a fullback in the league that hasn't had a full-blown conversation with him on the pitch. The guy just does not leave you alone. So I reckon it'd have to be him. Like if you if you rub him up the wrong way, he'll just he'll just give you a planet. So I reckon Walesy. The coastie, of course. Yeah, I mean, I, we we had the uh, privilege of bumping into Lockie and a few of the other Western boys when we were in Tasmania last year. And I think we could probably attest to that as well. Actually, <laughs> yeah. that that checks out. <laughs> Lockie loves it. You just get, it's eight o'clock in the morning. You just rolled out of bed and you walk into the change room, and this guy is just like motor mouth. He just he doesn't. <laughs> when I first got there, I was like, man, is he for real? This guy. <laughs> but you got to. Uh, well, Ben, thank you so much for joining us here on the Green Room. Best of luck against Perth Glory on uh, on Friday night, and uh, and you know, good luck coming up against uh, against one of your footballing heroes and in Daniel Sturridge. That's going to be uh, one to remember, I'm sure. Uh, but we'll be sure to catch up with you later on in the season. Uh, welcome to Western United, and, and and best of luck for the rest of it. Cheers, guys! Thanks for having me.